When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. consistent you know what i'm saying at least attempting to actually i don't even say attempting to we have been staying consistent with y'all we've been we've been we've got to start interacting with y'all now though you know we got to start engaging with you guys we gotta have more we gotta have more conversations with you guys facts you know what i'm saying and it's up to you guys to interact with us as well so when we start this when we start our social media takeover man just know we're only a test message away you know what I'm saying? And some of y'all might be a phone call. But, hey, welcome to another Black Lotus episode. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Blue. And your co-host, Josiah Jacobs. And uh, today we got a very, like, inspiring guest for you guys, you know. Uh, he, he, you know what I'm saying? He, he he's, 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 doing two, he's doing two different things right now that are very close to what I'm doing, which is uh, real estate, which is something that I have a passion for, and we work together as well. I'm not going to disclose too much about that unless you want to. Um, but yeah, man, um, I met this brother. We had a we had a few really interesting conversations at work through. Uh, just standing around, just wasting time and shit, man. But these in, these interesting conversations, you know, pertain to things that we ha- we talk about on this podcast. So I wanted to bring them on, man. I bring to you guys no other than Solomon Burns, man. It's good. It's good. So, man, uh, tell us what you what you've been up to today. Yeah, shit, man, just kicking in my job. Like I said, just trying to kick off the new year, new location. Just moved to Pinole. Just trying What's to, that like? 
Uh, this is your first time like moving? Like you probably know it's not. But, like, I moving. move like once a year. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. damn near the past couple of years, bro. Once a year, just because. Because uh, I just since COVID really like because I was in LA for like six years from 2014 until COVID hit, and then once COVID hit, <clears throat> I moved to. Uh, I moved to Oakley with my parents for like two months. Okay. And then me and my girl got a spot together in Dublin. Okay. And then uh, moved to Dublin for like a year. And then um, we moved back. You guys know where Brentwood is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we moved to Brentwood. And uh, my dad, he has, a, he has a house out there. He's in real estate too. So uh, he has a house out there. So we rented his house from him because um, it was a bigger space because she had got pregnant yeah. so it was like we wanted a bigger space instead of just being in this like apartment and shit right. and then after like a year maybe like eight nine months of being there I moved to Walnut Creek Pleasant Hill mm. so then I was there for a year now <laughs> yeah, yeah. now I've been over bro so it's just been like wild bro since COVID happened just because a bunch of like crazy life changes bro COVID baby and then just fucking new job um, hopped into real estate officially, I should say, and then, um, and then now, same shit. Just, yeah, same shit. Yeah, just trying to stack up and buy houses. You know, the market is crashing and shit, so it's right, like it's, they're trying it's, to like time it right. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so with that's the market where right now, with the market crashing, like, how do you feel? Like, uh, first of all, why do you think the market is crashing? For those who don't understand it, I, I know why. Well, I can't explain why. Yeah. Um, Why do you think it's crashing? It's because we've had such a rapid um, sale of housing, especially around here. Um, and the house market is kind of like, it's like peaking. So it's bound to go down. Um, and so that's kind of what's happening. It's like, uh, the real estate market is really like the stock market. Or in, in, a, in this sense, it's like, when you see the price, when you see the stock market go up so high, mm-hmm. like you know to pull your money out because it's going to go down like uh, yeah. soon. It's but I mean, like you can always ride the wave, which a lot of people are doing. You know, people who got the uh, we're still selling houses, but like I don't yeah. even say sell, selling houses. We're still interacting with the real estate. It's a little more quiet. It's going to be a little more quieter for the next couple years. I remember you told me it was like five to seven years or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, the cliche statement, like, nobody has a crystal ball, but yeah. that's just me guessing, like, the next five years, probably. Like, I think it's going to be, like, riding down. And then, depending on, like, what happens in that period, like, four to five years, <clears throat> it could start correcting finally and start coming up, or... It's just gonna be at that <laughs> that yeah. bottom for a minute, like, like who knows, bro? Like I said, I'm just speculating. <clears throat> I really don't know. I'm just like trying to look at everything that's happening and just make my best educated guess. You yeah. know what I'm saying? What are like? Because I'm not really too into real estate, so like, what are like some things that that kind of indicate when the market is going back to normal? Or like, what what factors would would have to happen for the market to go back to normal? Uh, buyers really. Say again, buyers. Yeah, yeah, buyers is a huge part of it. Um, so like, 
when it comes to real estate, like I noticed because I watch a lot of podcasts or like YouTube channels mm-hmm. or like TikToks or whatever, like a bunch of people giving their opinion. But I feel like a lot of people don't have like a whole picture of it. Like they're not looking at that bigger picture of the economy. Like they refuse to zoom out for some reason. So yeah, it's yeah. like, like. So, like, for example, like, the market's crashing because of COVID. Right. Like, COVID fucked up a lot of shit, you know what I mean? Like, the government stepped in to make it seem like everything was okay, Mm -hmm. which is why they lowered interest rates, they were giving out stimulus checks, they're giving businesses, like, hella loans, like, you know, like, hella easy to get. They just have, like, a bunch of money that they're giving everybody, um... But at the same time, like, we got to remember that the government is in debt, too. Like, they Mm -hmm. don't have money to actually be giving people. So it's like it created, like, a false narrative, essentially. So everybody started spending a shit ton of money because they're like, all right, well, interest rates are only 2%. And then, like you said, uh, real estate is like the stock market because everything is affected by the Federal Reserve. So it's like... uh, forget bro's name he's like I think his last name is Powell right he's like the chairman Colin Powell it's not Colin it might be like Jerome Powell or something like that he's like the chairman of the Federal Reserve so he'll announce when like they're going to either raise interest rates or lower interest rates so but those interest rates he's talking about it's like a middle ground interest rate that affects everything so he's like all right we're going to drop the interest rates by X amount of points. We're going to raise the interest rates by X amount of points. But like I said, that interest rate he's talking about, he's talking about like, I don't even know what it is specifically, but it's a specific interest rate that affects the interest rates when you buy a car, when you buy a house, when you get a credit card, when you buy anything that is like a, you know, that has an interest rate attached to it when you're borrowing money. Right. So, uh, long story short, uh, that's why the market crashed. But then, when you asked to answer your question, if how do you know when the market's gonna go back up? You just have to look at the whole economy and figure out if it's a healthy economy. So, since COVID, from like 2020 to like mid 2022, I guess the housing market inflated like hella high. Right. So, like this house right now that we're sitting in is like higher than it's ever been in history. It's probably like I don't even know this area like that, but yeah. let's just say it's like. 700,000 right Right. that's hella money for for a house you know what I'm saying like 700,000 is not a cheap price plus we're in California and then um, uh, but it didn't happen like healthily where it's like okay uh, people's raises or like their wages at their job is growing steadily and um, people are making more money which is then causing people to buy more real estate and buy more stocks and do these things to raise it up like it just happen hella fast like it's not actually like people aren't actually like jobs aren't actually paying more and stuff like that exactly. like, like wages aren't actually increasing it's kind of like a facade a little bit yeah it's literally Whoa, a facade yeah so like the job I, I see what I see what you're taking they're making it seem like the consumers are just making more money so they're able to spend more money but actually the prices just drop so they're able to spend money that they really didn't have Cause like I mean, exactly. you can exactly. talk about like unemployment rate and like the unemployment rate and how many people are working, but if they're not working jobs in which they can actually purchase a home or actually 
or actually have the chance to get promoted and have gainful employment, then it really doesn't matter how many people are working it if they can't afford to really yeah. buy anything, nothing. Yeah, facts. Well, I mean, uh, they're spending money they don't even have, so they really did is turning out in debt. That <laughs> forces them to, you know, uh, just sit there and continue to work off the debt that they owe. Yeah. You know, it's kind of fucking them over in the long run. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. Because they're not using... They're not using their debt correctly. Right. Because what you're supposed to do is, I'm not supposed to get this piece of game out, but what you're <laughs> supposed to do is, you're supposed to use half the money that you get from the loan and put it towards your first couple of payments. And then use the other half of the loan to use whatever you really need it for. Because a lot of people, what they do is they'll use the whole loan or let's use like the majority of the loan and then use the rest of the money just for pocket money. But in actuality, you're supposed to pay that shit back. And keep the, and, and if you double, and if you do it that way, you can double it by paying it off yourself and you do like one of the payments and then let the loan do the other payment, you'll pay it off at half the time. I saw somewhere that if you paid $100 more each year onto your mortgage, that you'll cut off, uh, 12 or 14 years off your mortgage. Wow. Mm, oh, you're saying if you pay an extra $100 a yeah, month? Yeah. Yeah, because you're beating, you're beating that interest because you're putting it toward, uh, toward principal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that's all it is, really. Like, half your payment, like, if you buy, like, a $500,000 house, at the end of your 30-year loan, you're paying, like, one point five million or something like that. I'm just throwing well, numbers out there because I haven't done the math, but it's like it's a wild number. They be getting and that million they be is all interest, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, that Nah, I was watching a video um, about the, about the 2008 housing crisis mm-hmm. and um, how like subprime mortgages and, and loans kind of it, like, that's what screwed the economy because because people. I don't want to try to explain it because I'm, I'm still a novice, so mm-hmm. I don't really under I kind of understood, but I didn't. But I do know that a lot of those, the subprime loan was kind of like a scam, because yeah. it makes it it made it seem like the realtors made it seem like it wasn't what it was. Like it, like in the beginning, it's like teaser, like teaser interest rates. But then when you're actually locked in, the interest rates are are crazy, and you're paying way way more than than what you should be paying. Yeah. And what you thought you were paying. <clears throat> right. And, and and the reason why they were doing it is because a lot of the people who they were giving it to, um, they they had like poor credit mm-hmm. and were more likely to um, to default mm-hmm. on, on on payments and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and then they would be foreclosed, which is why a lot of the houses that went up in two thousand and eight really got foreclosed by two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that loan that you're talking about, so those subprime loans, like a lot of those were uh, balloon payment loans, mm. right? I'm looking it up right now because I totally forgot what that shit is. If it's like fully amortized or if it's like not amortized, but regardless, that's just called a balloon payment loan, bro. So in 2008, that's what they was giving everybody. It was like, they'll be like, all right, you can get this house for 500000 will give you uh and they're letting people come in with no down payment too so right. they'll be like bro you could just Shit. have this loan you and then you're the in here yeah you can <laughs> have the house bro no down payment walk in that bitch and then you're in here for like keys and all yeah keys and all bro just in there and then you're 
in it for let's just say three percent mm-hmm. uh you're paying this mortgage so mind you the 2008 crisis had been going on bro for like years right they exactly. were giving out yeah, these exactly. loans in like 2000 it was yeah. building up you exactly what I'm saying? Like so, so everybody yeah. thought they was good for like five six right, seven years right. or whatever and then 2008 hits and all these balloon payments happen and they're like all right well your interest rate that was three percent is now ten percent right mm. and it's like oh shit so now my monthly payment jumps from two thousand a month to four thousand yeah. a month and yeah. you can't afford that shit so now your house um you can't afford it, so you're about to go into a foreclosure. Right. And then on top of that, that happened to a bunch of people at once. So right. now uh, everybody is selling their house. The market comes crashing down. So now you're upside down. You're underwater because your house is worth less than what your loan is. Right. So now you're holding on to a loan yeah. that's 500000 and your house is worth like two hundred. You right. know what I mean? So you can't even sell it to get out of it. That's, so, that's so crazy. Wait, hold on. Because like, like, in the book I was reading, it said that like, that crisis took took away more like because in the, in the 20 years before that Oakland like the black middle class of Oakland and just black people Oakland have been building their um their capital and then their home and their home ownership and for the past 20 years at that point and it got reversed in a matter of months yeah yeah you know what's crazy is um during that time so like, I lived on a court and a lot of my neighbors uh so my dad had already been involved in real estate and a lot of my neighbors uh, not a lot of them like I would say like two of them specifically I don't know how they timed that shit bro but when I tell you they came up during that time which is something you can also do right now if you play your cards right they sold like all their property and they weren't even in real estate heavy as far as I'm concerned like let's just say they sold like two properties mm-hmm. in like 2004 before that shit like really hit the yeah. fan mm-hmm. sold their shit bro moved to like an apartment and just hung her down for a minute that shit comes crashing down houses that are like they have bread bro houses that are like in the wealthy part of uh, Oakley Mm -hmm. right now like those houses back then was like 300,000 bro right now those same houses are like a million so they were able to buy them shits like cash or like close to it did they do that on purpose like I don't know on purpose or like it's kind of like the stroke of luck Honestly, I think it's both. I think it's just like some people, because I think it's like that with everything. Meaning, like if you're investing in anything, you don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, know yeah. as much as you can. You're getting as much information as you can, but nobody knows but how you, anything. Yeah, is right. Gonna go. You really don't know. You don't, you don't know. know. It's impossible. And because um, I had another neighbor, bruh in that same court because I grew up in that court we were all really close Okay. and uh, I had another neighbor that came up off Apple he had been buying Apple like since oh, it dropped for shit. like a minute and he kept telling my parents like buy Apple buy Apple they're like bro we don't really mess with stocks we only real estate and bro hit a lick like when Apple went up the first or the first or second time like them spikes he like ended up moving to like a fat ass house bro bought a Lexus like he was like, <laughs> <laughs> like he was up, bro like, like he, he really knew like buy Apple bro like bro knew that's such a lick <laughs> Real oh lick, God, bro. And this is when Apple was fresh. Like he fresh. brought he brought me a uh, he gifted me a Mac Mini, like like one of the first Mac Minis, bro. What? And like I didn't even know what to do with it because I was mad young, and then also like you know I was into like gaming and stuff, so like right. you couldn't really game on like a Mac Mini like that, um, as far as computer games. Yeah. But uh, as far as I was at least, but uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like yeah, so he knew what's up, and uh, and just not to go too far off, like. Uh, 
to answer your question a long time ago like basically to know to time these markets the best whether it be stocks or real estate your goal is always to look at the whole picture never just look at the one thing you're trying to do right look at the economy look at people's wages look at employment exactly. look at other world events just world events look at on. other related companies that you're investing in look at literally everything that you can gather as much information as you can and um, as long as everything is healthy then it's cool and when I say healthy I mean healthy on the way down and up meaning so if the market is crashing and it makes sense why it's crashing then based on all of those factors then okay you feel me like you're in a good spot yeah. but if it's crashing or if it's going up and it doesn't make it sense doesn't, like yeah. COVID hits and then everything skyrockets yeah. it's like okay that does not make, make sense. sense it has no choice but to come down exactly. no matter what anybody else tells you yeah. because that's just common sense so right. people saying that the market's not coming down or it's not the same as 2008 because like, I hate when people say that because it's like bro like just because it's not the same storm bro we're talking about yeah. Hurricane yeah. Katrina versus Hurricane Harvey like right. Yeah, still fucking yeah. hurricanes, you know yeah, what exactly. I mean? Like, yeah. So, no, that's a that's real game, bro. Like, you really you gotta explain it. If a lot of people will just like kind of sit in the bliss, it's like, all right, everything's going up, like we good. But that's not that's not what's going on. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's however many lives are being are like are, are pushing the you know the invisible hand of economics, like yeah. like, and it's it's all it's all connected, you know, like all the wages in like a little grocery store, bro. You really don't. It, it's it relates in some way. It all it relates, it relates in some way. Like, like, are you able to edit out? Curse words? I can't edit them out. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm gonna try to stop cursing them before. Yeah, no, it's not good. It's not good. Um, we don't, we don't, we don't typically edit out the curse words. Like in every definition of the word hoodwink. Mm. Um, but I don't fault religion because I feel that religion is a pure thing that man construes and coerces you into believing. Uh, certain messages out of the religion that aren't even really the true meaning of the, of, of the, of the message. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will also say that because the church is so powerful, it still has a place of use um, in a sense of that the church also provides a lot of comfort, safety, and um, security to a lot of its members. Um, Whether it's emotional, physical, uh, even mental security, um, it does provide those to the people who are in need of that. Um, But to the people who aren't in need of that, they use it as a tool to carry out their self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, based off of their entitlement to I won't say their lives but their influence on other people's lives. Um, Who would be the type of person to do that? Anybody, what would their honestly, role be in the church? Any, honestly, even just the common going church member who says who the pastor influences to spread the word of God but only in that manner you see what I'm saying oh okay I see what you're saying alright what do you what do you okay what do you mean by that though um 
so yeah like summarize what you just said so all in all i feel that especially in the black community we hoodwink our church members into thinking a certain type of way and what type of way is that um that we need to be in a in a mean submissive in a mean submissive to the world because God is in control of it all. But what they're not telling you is, is there are certain aspects of the world that we should be in control of. Just because God created life does not mean that he's going to hold our hands through everything. And, and Christians understand that, but what they're not telling you is, is that He's only there not to control your life, but to influence your life. Right. And mm-hmm. to help you along the way. Right. And and are you correlating that with how how I was just saying that black people stopped trying to buy their houses because exactly. they were Because mm-hmm. we because we because after a certain We have to certain, remember too, just to add, like mm-hmm. the churches it is and always has been a huge part of the black community. Yeah, that was like the safe state, haven. Honestly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, that was oh, a safe okay, haven yeah. during slavery. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. on Sundays, like what do you do? Bro? That's the only time you get a break from getting whipped, from having to work, from having to do all this crazy shit. Yeah. Even if you didn't like church, you're just in there. Exactly. Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, this is the like spot, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, and like, yeah. I mean, I still go to church. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah. just, just because I have a problem with it, yeah, just because I have a problem with it doesn't mean that that I won't do it. Which is why I think a lot of people need to have this kind of mentality. Like, mm. just because you have a problem with something doesn't mean that you can't hear them so out. So your problem with church is that it creates, it makes you submissive, essentially. Or it gives you... It makes it, it easy to, to, to submit. It creates passivity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It creates, it creates a, a, enormous amounts of passivity. Mm. And it emancipates black men, in my opinion. Which we it kind of makes about. you lack no, accountability. You, you, you mean emasculates. Are you saying yeah. emasculates? Yeah, emasculates. I said emancipates, didn't I? You said emancipates. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it emasculates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> but um, it, it emasculates black men um, because of the feminine inner, the feminine influence on the message that is the sermon that is usually given. Um, usually it's geared towards women. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But... Just because um, it's geared towards women and it's received well by women does not mean that um, it is accepted by men. And on top of that, it's received healthily by men. Because how you we receive like it, it... makes you lack accountability. Because it's indirectly, though. Because when we think about it, when we think about how we go to church, we go to church because of moms, right? Most of the time. Moms woke yeah, us up. Sure. Yeah, moms woke us up or pops woke us up. You know, it's because of somebody else. I, I, I think it depends on. on yeah, it, it depends. Yeah, I was gonna but it, with it. It, it it's in itself is because of somebody else. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least when I'm okay. Let me let me rephrase that. When we're little, right? We wake up. We go to church because of who? 
One of your somebody, yeah, higher authority. Right. And when we go to church, the first person that we greet, we get greeted by is Usher, right? Usher is typically a woman, exactly. Yeah. And then when you go into church, seventy-five percent of the people who are in there are women. So when and you that's, that's that's the biggest reason why the message is feminine. exact exactly because it's, 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 I never thought about that. It's kind of like marketing, you know, you're you're catering to your audience. So give me an example of like a feminine message. I literally never thought about that. I ever. think that like and mind you, I grew up in church, so like to hear this the is whole. Like, yeah. The whole passivity never... of uh, the church doesn't like to show Jesus in his masculine state. Like they won't mm. like let like let's be real. When was the last time you heard a sermon out of the book of Luke, which is the most masculine description of Jesus? I didn't even know that. I've never read it. It's a great. It's a great book. Well, give me that, an example of a masculine passage in that in that uh, book. I believe that in the book of Mark as well. Don't quote me on this podcast, okay? <laughs> but I believe that also in the book of Mark, um, there is a passage in there that is, that describes Jesus as being angry, and he flips over a table because they are selling merchandise in the, in the temple. temple. Okay. Right? Those, this, it's not in every gospel. I've heard about this verse. I've never read it. But that's like the main example usually when we talk about the anger. Yeah, the, the masculine. He like energy. starts whipping people or something. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well, he he just starts flipping over tables, starts screaming okay, at people. Okay. But um, I bring that up because when we talk about uh, how the church affects the church is a, has an effect on a black community, it kind of reinstates the feminization of the black community. Because the more matriarchal, uh, yeah, leadership, so to say. Exactly, because the church gives power, and the seventy-five percent of women in there, so seventy-five percent of the power is given to. Yeah. But was that by default, empowerment? Though? though, I'll say empower empowerment. Not not that they give them power, but it, it gives them empowerment. Yeah, I was think, that by default though? Is the question. What do you mean? Just because that is true. Seventy-five percent of men, where would they be? Out on the corner making money or in jail? That's true. Right. Don't say that. Let's even go. Well, back I'm further, saying, though. I'm saying, like in the black community, seventy-five percent of niggas are not in jail. Okay, yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's a little high, bro. Like twenty-five percent. Twenty-five. It's not twenty-five percent. Yes, it is. Oh, that's a bro, bro. Twenty-five percent of black men. Can we go ahead and look that up. And I'm gonna ask, bro. So bring it back even further. Have, have been, bro. You, you have been telling jail. me one. Okay, no. Okay, one okay. fourth. That's no. It's one third. Oh, one third. Well, that's even more. Oh, that's 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 no, 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 no. It's it's one. It's like one one third of black men will like will have some experience with like jail in their lives statistically. But like that doesn't mean thirty three percent of black men are in jail right now. Yeah. But I'm saying a fourth are. The forefather populace have to like, Look, I like to bring it back further to mm-hmm. slavery because it's like the easiest thing for us. It's like the most foundation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when I say that, I mean. Uh, there are 1,000. Okay, one way. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> okay, there were there there 1.5K black prisoners for every 1,000. And 100,000 black adults at the end of 2018. According to the. For every 100,000 is 15%. For every one. 
No, it's not. That's 1.5%. You're right, you're right. So 1.5% of black men are in jail. But, I mean, it's not all black men. It's just black prisoners. I don't know if that... Come on now. That has to be more than that. 1.5% does sound kind of low. That seems so low. Bro, bro, that's... That, that's still, like... That's still, like, a, a good amount of people in jail. Like, you have, bro, it's, it's not, like... Oh, wait. I'm talking... Wait, I said the stat wrong. I said the stat wrong. What are we asking? How many black people are in 25% of the people who are in jail are black. But, like... But, yeah, okay, yeah, but... That's yeah. what I meant to say. But but even even that stat doesn't 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 make sense with what you were saying. Well, because because you were saying like like uh, a lot of black men are in jail. That's why they're not going to church on Sunday. That's like, true. That's, that, that's what. So that's, that's only one percent. That's that's one. That's not. That's why I said bring it back to slavery because if black men, because we're talking about the matriarchal influence on black people in general, right. is kind of over. Talk about right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. So, if um, if we're talking about the matriarchal influence, the question is why is that influence there? I saw somewhere the other day, it was this dude that was talking about uh, slavery, and he was like, "Bro, slavery isn't what we think it is. It's not like it was just slavery. Like in reality, it was like really an act of war. Yeah. Meaning, okay. like when you go and you take over a country." What's the first thing you do? You kill all the men because that's your defense. You know what I'm saying? So you kill all the men or you handcuff them and imprison them. And then you keep all the women and children for reproductive purposes, basically. And then you, yeah, you're good after that. So it's like if you take away all the men, by default, a matriarchal influence has to come in. And what are they going to do? You feel me? They're not picking up swords. They're going to do their divine feminine power well, and do the right. spiritual shit because that's what women are, right? Like, well, in our case, though, which is actually very interesting as you say that, it was opposite. Because they got the men taken out of the household, it's a little more complex because of the money aspect. Because when you incorporate low amounts of money or low wages... It is also slavery because when you look at, uh, well, a lot of people don't like to uh, talk about this, but for a certain amount of time, the uh, masters would pay them per day, but it's only like four cents. Mm-hmm. You're saying, and, but you use that to buy your freedom. Um, and a lot of time, the 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 black people who were getting paid were were in trades. Yeah, exactly. But so a lot, but they, a, something that I that I hate about slave discourse is that people never talk about how like there are a lot of black people in skilled in skilled trades who were slaves too. Like, like it was yeah. there was people who was making black people was making shoes and stuff like that. I know? mean, they were trained to do that by no, but but like what I'm saying is like people only think and it's they were like great at it. Too. Exactly, exactly. They were fantastic. Like people, and that's why we had we had the seven years of of of. of uh, I will say, I'm gonna deem this the seven. The seven years of grace, because we were so graceful with the things that we did. We we were able to initiate and explore our skills. We built up. Which seven years are you talking about? Seven years of reconstruction. It was twelve years. It was twelve. Yeah. I thought it was seven. Eighteen sixty-five to eighteen seventy-seven. Twelve sounds more accurate. Yeah, twelve does sound more accurate. Yeah. Um, but those those twelve years were years that. I think we're very important towards the, to the, the foundation of the Black America, 
Because when we look back, we can go back and be like, hey, let's study those 12 years. I bet you we'll be. If we study those 12 years of what they actually did as a community, as a, you know, and how they built their foundation, I feel like we would actually be way farther ahead as a community, as a society. Um, I, I think it's, I think you can study more than, than those 12 years because. Like, well, I'm saying just like, just, just I, those I 12 cause, years. Cause, because I, I don't it would think help that, us accelerate. I don't think that you should, that you should put, um, black, black progress and what we were able to do as a community. I don't think you, you should base it off when white people said reconstruction was over because because black people were still building communities after well, the reason so so I think what we should be looking at is the overall era in the south of when black people were were creating cities and and making and businesses and like having and having big black business districts you know yeah, that, that that's that's the exact time I'm talking about but the reason I say those 12 years is just because those 12 years um deemed Jim Crow free without slavery because Jim Crow was another addition to the system of slavery which right. kept us in you know enfranchised um or they kept they kept us disenfranchised um but those 12 years were years of enfranchisement right they definitely were I mean we were able to elect our our own political leaders into office because because I mean, in that time period, and how, and usually there's most most black people are in the south, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, because because that's where we black were people. enslaved, and we were over like we there were more of us in the south than white people, yeah, and we were electing black congressmen, you know, Hiram Revels, the first senator, no, can't the first congressman, <clears throat> first black congressman. You're talking about was he one of the eleven? Um, was it eleven or seven of them that were in that time period? I remember. I remember seeing. I, I I can't remember, but he was um, he was the first black black man to, to be in the United States Congress in eighteen sixty nine, I believe. Eighteen sixty nine. Eighteen sixty nine or eighteen seventy. But but yeah, I, I do agree with what you're saying about how we should look back um, on 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 that era of of of, of doing for self. Yeah, in, in, in building in building our Infra- building in, in, enfranchisement. Disenfranchisement? No, 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 no. Franchisement. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking we, about it. That's 12 years. Yeah, that's 12 I, years okay. of franchisement. Right, right. We, we I don't want to take you too far away, though, from uh, your original point of mm-hmm. uh, the religion shit. Yes. Because, uh, because, like I said, like, I think that plays a huge part in the black community in general. Nice. If we're gonna be talking about that, yes. and um, and I think, like you said, being passive and having essentially the victim mentality or having a lack of accountability does screw you over. You know what I mean? Yeah, it completely fucks this over. So you're right? saying that's your problem with the church because it messed the black community up in a way. Precisely. Precisely. Do you feel the same way? Um, feel the same way about the black about the church's role in kind of feminizing the community? Are you, is that what you're asking? Taking away feminizing the accountability. it, creating um, a lack of accountability, and making you roll over and be more passive. Um, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both because I feel like, I mean, 
like a few decades ago, the black church was a lot more powerful. And I think, and, and there were more men leading the church. More and more, I would say more influential men leading the church in that time period. So it was. Well, I'll say, well, I'll say those, those men are ironically how the how, how Senate and uh, Congress work the same way black churches work. Um, it's very rare that you see the leadership change over. So it's, those men are still leading, I think. But I think that what you're talking about is that those men had more fire 10 years ago. For surely, I would say that. I would, I'm not even talking about 10. I'm talking about like the civil rights era type. Oh, I thought you... Never mind. Type. Um, yeah, okay. I see what you mean. And like, I thought you said 10. But I Did also, you say 10 years? No, I, I said like the past decade. I didn't say 10 years. Oh, um, but like, I feel like the church has, um, it, it has done a pot, like a lot of good for the black community at the same time. Yeah. It, it it also can hold us back in, in some way. It's, it also unifies us. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it unifies us, but yeah. oftentimes we're not, we don't have the same type of community yeah. that we did before. And I, I don't, I don't know if that's this, I don't know if that's the decline of church or is that more because of like integration I, I feel like it's it, there are there are a lot of different it's integration yeah exactly I me personally I believe that it's integration for a couple of reasons purely integration um one when you look at integration it took away a lot of black members because a lot of black members believed in white Jesus and white Jesus was found in white churches so why are you going to a white why are you going to a black church when white Jesus is at the white church um, two. Well, like, how did integration affect that? Um, because a lot of the members left. After they were able to, like, mm-hmm. move away from black communities? Yes. and if you look at, like, you look at when the time, how, how simultaneous integration worked, the suburbs were, um, made, right? And so, and when it first started, we weren't able to go to those white churches. But as soon as that, the 80s mark came around... A lot more black people started moving over to the, to the suburbs, and then you started to see less and less black churches out in the suburbs because who's there to run them? You know, I, I think one of the biggest things is that when integration happened, a lot of black professionals, like like lawyers, um, doctors, people people who were people who, who who made a lot of money but weren't able to leave the community, mm-hmm. a lot oftentimes those were the leaders of the community. They were fact, the, yes, facts. That, that's who the community. Those were the, the good mentors. Those were the good mentors that. And then when you look at yeah 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 those keep going, are, keep those are those are the mentors of the community. So once integration happened, a lot of people in the black middle class were able to leave. They didn't have to stay in the community anymore like like they did before. Right. And when that happened, a lot of a lot of black people lost lost the mentors, the leaders. Um, my my professor at Howard was talking about this, Dr. Richard Wright. Um, he, he he grew up in Washington D.C. during during the nineteen like 50s and 60s and stuff like that and he actually is coming out with a book called um, My Life is Segregated America hmm. and um, I was talking to him a lot send me, send me that book uh, I, I, I will I'm, I'm going to keep talking to him um, but he was he was basically telling me that maybe you should bring like, him on a podcast maybe so <laughs> I'll be talking to him a lot but what he was saying is it even impacts crime too hmm. because he was saying that when integration happened a lot of black people didn't we didn't know each other in the community anymore. So yeah. not so not only did we leave, not only did our leaders leave, we also didn't know each other as well anymore. Because it's a lot easier to like 
rob somebody or something like that, if you don't know their family, if you don't know anything about this person, like he he just kind of he just a dude, you know. It's like your neighbor, and exactly, yeah. And he's and he's not your neighbor anymore. Exactly. And it's like it's like back then. It's like if if you <laughs> rob Jim, like like. Everybody gonna know about it. Exactly, Jim's yeah. Jim's parents finna know. Like everybody gonna know. Now your kid look bad. Now you look bad. You know, so the whole shame aspect of the church is still there, right? Um, and that's why I like about the church, and I wish we could bring that more to black black society as a whole. Um, but in order to do that, we have to embrace. And acknowledge a lot of the toxic parts of our culture that we're not willing to understand. Um, and and peep how I said not look at, but I said not understand. Because we look at a lot of the things every day. It's all sitting in front of our faces, but we don't <clears> understand <throat> it. Um, for instance, why are we looking at people who have guns and waving them around as bad things? Right? Gun- gangsters, gangsters are looked at as bad or as good, but for the wrong reasons. They're looked at as good because they're reckless, um, but not because they hold a sense of safety. Because mm-hmm. they have the guns, but because they're thinking the way that they're thinking, it's not. So let me ask both of you guys: mm-hmm. How did you guys get uh, I feel like this is going to be contradicting. That okay. Black on this podcast <laughs> because, um, like, how did you guys? Feel, how did you guys receive or like get the identity that you have as a black person in America? And the reason mm. I ask that is because mm, this is a good one. I don't like me personally. It's not that I don't resonate with black people, for example, because that's like an extreme statement, because obviously I'm black and I've been through black experiences, but like, I don't know if it's because I grew up in the suburbs, I don't know if it's because I, I didn't like, I don't know, like it just never like hit me like that, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I... It's like I care, you get what I'm saying? But at the same time, I feel like I'm fully aware that regardless of what's holding, what's held over my head in life, such as my skin, yeah. like it's not really up to anybody else to um, dictate what happens to my life. And then when it comes to uh, the black struggle, for example, like, I like I relate to it and I understand like where people are coming from but I don't understand why um people don't don't feel the same way that I feel. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I I get exactly. Because and I've been through like like obviously not what people were going through a long time ago getting fucking sprayed by like <laughs> fire <laughs> fire hydrant and stuff like that. Lynched, but like whipped by whips like, yeah like i've definitely been i like, can't even imagine getting whipped by a whip like that just yeah like, i would actually it. like i'd look back at dude and just be like you might as well kill me bro because if you <laughs> let me off this bitch i'm gonna murder you <laughs> like, it's bro. over for you 
And it's like, that's bro, be, that, that's, that's very easy to say. I, to I know it's, it's not. And, and it's, it's really not, privileged. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not it's, that it's easy. Privileged it's privileged for me to say that. that. Honestly, it's very privileged for me to say that because I, I couldn't imagine myself in captivity like that. But yeah, but it's different when you're raised. Yeah, in captivity. That's just yeah, normal. that as well. Because yeah. when you raise somebody, that's your life. Like, yeah, that's that's just life. Uh, you just have to accept that. And that's the thing. It's like we're we're so far from that, but then we're not far at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Oh so like people God. will like I have a cousin who's always telling me like, oh bro, like I couldn't do this because I'm black, or oh I got fired because I'm black, and I'm like, bro, see, <laughs> I get what you're saying, bro. See, like here's but, all right, Solomon. Here's my thing when it comes to that. <clears throat> but I'll okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that before I answer the question about how I mm. I feel like a problem that we have as black people is sometimes we we don't we tend to blame white people for, white people for things that don't logically make sense. If the, uh, exactly if and that and that's and, and like it's like your dudes your your boy said he got fired from his job because yeah. he's black. Yeah. I'm like all right. I can Look, guarantee you right now he got fired because he's lazy. Uh, right, right, right. And and I feel like when black people do that, we we minimize the things that have actually actually sy- happened systemically to us. disadvantaged us. Yeah. Like 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 how I'm talking about how in the fifties and sixties we couldn't buy houses literally because we were black. No, like, literally. Like 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 literally. That yeah. that is logically like they're not giving you the money when you walk. Exactly. In. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're not giving you the money. Like my my grandfather applied for a job in the 1950s and he forgot to write his name on the paper and he and he went back in to write his name his job application was already in the trash. That's because he's black. Like like that's, like that's that's that's, that's, that's because he's black. They didn't even read the application. They just threw it away. You know what I'm saying? Like white people used to be so fucked up. But keep going. But okay, things like that. Are I are logically founded. There's 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 a deeper um, reasoning behind that. It's like all right. It's like I, I, I walk in. Okay, I'm just walking around like like so something something happens and and I, and I blame it because of my race. But that's 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 right there. I think is the victim mentality. Yeah. Because because then you don't want to do things because because you're like because you're scared. When it's like okay, why why did this actually happen? That's where I feel like we need to take accountability as people because not all of our problems are because of white people there are there are a lot a lot of them a, are. a lot of them are yeah <laughs> a lot of them are but and not I, all and, and i can argue that a lot of our cultural deficiencies so to say that we have are because of white, of white people, people. Yeah. Right. Shit. you but, read that book right there and you'll understand right, right, a lot of it right what book is that black rednecks and white liberals mm-hmm. okay, okay but but i feel like in the in the, in the day-to-day aspect you can do things in your life to get out of the situation that you're in, which is what I advocate for black people. I feel like we need to build communities together and, and just work together and yeah. trust each other yeah. and stuff like that. That's what I feel like we need to do. But, because here's my thing, too, right. not to cut you off, but like yeah. even like when you make that statement, I think of like the first thing that came to my head when you made that statement are the black people who flipped that switch and said, you know what? Like, I'm sorry, y'all, but I know that I can do better, and I'm yeah. going to do better, and you can either come with me, or 
You could just stay in this. And, and that's and that's the but thing. that invitation isn't always there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that invitation to come with me is not always there because Here, here's the, the sick day, part though is that it is person, always there. But that one person, you know what I'm saying? That one income of like above average is not going to be able to help those like everybody in his family. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, and the thing is, and when I say that, I caught myself a little bit because I had to realize the W E D Du Bois. W E D Du Bois. W E B Du Bois. Um mentality. My of that ten percent that ten percent. Really? That ten percent really Because that that ten percent mentality is not going to be able to work. In my opinion. Because what is the ten percent mentality? 10% of black Americans who are uh, the top 10% of doctors, top 10% of lawyers, top 10% of now rappers, actors, mm. all them. What's the mentality, though? That they'll come back and help us. The 90%. Here's the thing, but or It's not to, about them or coming back to help us, though. Or to enfranchise us, is what he was trying to he, say. Yeah, he, was, he like wanted to... The talented tenth to essentially lift the community up. Yeah, to to like a ten ten percent of the population who is who is like self sufficient and, and it can do all that professional stuff. Then you can lift black people up to to um in his in, in that era was civil rights. That's impossible though. Right. Exactly. Especially right. now. It's like, completely I, impossible. I think it I think it was more it was more feasible then. It was more feasible than when black people all lived together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, like, when they were in Harlem and they were all living together, when they were in, exactly. when they were in towns in Alabama and Mississippi, right. they were all able to live together. And, and, and so they, okay, I and, see. And then, like I I'm see. saying, when like lawyers and doctors still lived in the hood. So, mm-hmm. in a sense. So to, like in, in in the hood, so to speak. Yeah. In, in a sense. So you should finish. Well, like, yeah. how did you, how did you, get to this place of identifying yourself? This well, morning? let me let me just say this. In in, in a sense. Booker T. Washington was before his time. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Because the trades apply now. I wouldn't say he's before his time. I think he was in his time. Mm. So we're looking back. And, okay. See. Because, well, because the trades never go away. Right. Trades back. That's, that's, back. that's why it's a trade. Because, I mean, the reason why he advocated for black people to, to increase their agricultural and just skills in general was because cause a lot of us did have those skills already. Yeah. Because a lot of us had been formerly enslaved. So we had, we had a lot of the skills required to, to, uh, t- to take care of the farm. Um, this and, and engage in other trades. Facts. You know, and and with those trades, you build a, a, a skilled labor force, and now you're able to actually build build as a community. And once and once these and once these men have stable jobs because of their skills, now now they can afford to send their kids to college and and move higher in the in the in the mobility ladder. But mm. um, to answer your question about how I found my resonation with with black people was i think i I, I think i I think i think me and michael can agree on this standpoint it definitely our schooling growing up Mm. um we went to saint Louis, the great catholic school which is uh which is in in oakland 
mm. and it was it was like all black. Okay. It was all black. So, I think f- from a very young age, I was able to see black excellence, and I was able mm. to to have like a kind of pride within my race that that I that I couldn't articulate back then. But when I look back at it now, I can articulate it. Like when I look back at the things that we were learning, like like a lot of like things like the black national anthem and um and just Michael, you remember when like Mr. Peabody would like put like like gumbo on on the on the, yeah. on, on the during during music. He class. would put on a uh, jazz. Right. He would put on jazz I think it was was it, oh, it was called Gumbo, wasn't it? Yeah, it was called Gumbo. So it was like jazz history. And uh, taught, but the thing is that when you look at jazz history, it is parallel to a certain point in time with black history. And um, I the mean, reason I say that it is, is black history. Well, I'll say to a certain point in time because there's a lot of white, um, there's a lot of white influence in the in the in the eighties. I mean, after this is it. But like, yeah, I know. But I'm saying, when it, I'm saying, jazz history is parallel to to black history, but to only to a certain point in time. But before that certain point in time, is all black history. Right. Like you look at like, but that's all it is. Though. That's the foundation. That's just what it is. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that exactly. is the foundation. Yeah, I don't it's care who black, it's appropriated. It's it. black culture. <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, from, so yeah, it comes from black in society. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Right. Well, keep going. With what you're saying. Everybody um, showed the gumbo. But like we used to, we used to watch Gumbo and stuff like that. And at the t- like, we didn't really appreciate it. Like we used to be talking all the time. No, nah, because we, no, nah, honestly, I really didn't think that there was a point to all that. You know what I'm right. saying? Like we went up to the little uh, his 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 music room, which is damn near the size of this, for real. If we're gonna be honest, probably it, it, was, well, bigger. it, it was, was bigger. It was a little bit bigger. It was bigger. It was a little bit bigger. Like, our whole class would be in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think. Things but, like that, yeah. You sub- know what I'm saying? Subconsciously made us affiliate affiliate more with with blackness, and I feel like sometimes if maybe if you go to like a public school, you might see like you might you might not see as much, especially in the Bay Area. You might you might not see as much black excellence in the academic field, so to say. Facts. I was mm-hmm. I was I was growing up with like with like girls who was hella smart, dudes who was hella smart, like really were really competing with them, and I think that. And I, I don't know, because, like, saying all this is making me really think, how did it make me affiliate with my race more? I feel like just being around my people growing up made me... I think also learning affiliate. that, like, also learning, like, subtle things. I, I, keep going. And, and Solomon, to add on to that, I also think my education in college has made me affiliate more, because... I go to Howard University, which is a historically black college. Okay, it is an HBCU. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's 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 all it's all black, and I feel like you've been there now for two years. No, I'm about to graduate, it's so like four. four. Years. But like, I didn't get to finish explaining earlier when I was telling you, um, like how long I've been there. I I was there freshman year, and then pandemic, so I was back home. So okay. then, then last year I was there, and now this year I'm here. So when okay. I when I finish, it'll have been like three years. But I think being around black people. And seeing black people from all different cultures, and then just getting educated in that college setting has made me just a lot more prideful uh, of, of, of my race. Like it's made me more like mm. it's just it's just made me more prideful, and that's something that going to HBCU tends to do for a lot of, of black people. It makes you more prideful, and a lot of people from HBCUs tend to give back 
more and then tend to get higher degrees, tend to be often more teachers, more serving the community compared to like um, black people who might go to like PWIs. Not, and there's nothing wrong with black people who go to PWIs, but they're sometimes. What's a PWI? Hmm? What's a PWI? A, a predominantly white institution. Yeah. I see. Okay, okay. Saying so, a lot of times they don't have that same sense of community. No, they don't. Mm. And you know what's funny? Some do, though. That? I will say. No, no. Some, some do, but, some but oftentimes. Shout like, out to Gabby. Oftentimes, they don't have that same sense of community, and they'll, like, um, I'm not going to say go go corporate, because a lot of people at HBCUs will go, cor- will go corporate, too, but it's a different type of corporate. Mm. It's not as, um, I know as black people in corporate positions at HBCUs tend to just, I guess, care, care a little more about about advocating for black issues and stuff like that. That's that's what I've seen. If anybody wants to refute that, uh, hit me up. But I, well, I've never been to HBCU. So yeah, I, but, I could, right. I could I think not that, refute that if I wanted to. I think that when we talk about um, black, I'm gonna get to the black identity because I have a little. It's a little different. For, it's a little different for me. Um, when when I talk about when when we talk about like black identity at HBCUs, do you mean like? Um, who you at? Who you are as a black person, or like wh- where you are? Because it's two different things if you think about it. Who you are as a as a black person, or how you fit into the black community. Um, that's a good question. Um, I probably feel like it would be. Hmm, I think who I am as a black person, because hmm. I think that sometimes, oftentimes. I'm contradicting myself. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that my friend said this the other day on Instagram. He said, My Howardness is showing when I, when I, when I come back home. And I feel like a lot of time I know I can speak this for myself. I feel I feel like I, I feel more like a like a Howard man when I step outside of my institution. Hmm. As opposed to when I'm actually there, yeah, yeah, yeah. because because when I'm there, I'm just used to it. You like, are Howard, man. Like like this is my environment. Everybody goes to Howard, but when I leave, I think I definitely tend to I wear my blackness a lot more on my sleeve now than I did maybe in high school. For surely, mm-hmm. I, I, I see the difference. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, completely different. Like you, I won't say that you didn't identify yourself as a black man. But you're definitely a more stronger, more indignified black man now. Right. I know. I, I definitely am. I definitely am compared to um, in high school. I just, I know a lot more about about black history and black culture now than what I did before. And I think that um, I, I, I've always had a good historical foundation. I've, mm-hmm. I've always loved history since I was a kid. But a lot of, a lot of the time it was like white history. For Shelly. Like, a lot of time it was like white. Yeah. Their first history book was a... It was a, was a, was a, president's, was a president's book. But I mean, I don't I don't think that, that takes away... Like, no, no, it doesn't. The knowledge, because I think you got you need a foundation anywhere. I feel like you need to know everything in order to understand everything. Exactly. And in, order like, to, in order to have a good comprehension of how to move. Exactly. And this is like what you were yeah. saying about real estate, Solomon. It's like, if, if you want to... And just investing in general. If you want to study everything, you have to know everything. Like, look at the whole picture. Yeah, you got to look at the whole picture. And I feel like just learning the history that I learned when I was younger gave me like a fuller picture of, of what of what I of what I know now. And I think that 
going to I mean Michael like, how do you how do you think I wear more on my sleeve now that I did in high school um well because because I, I I know I do but I've never really saw someone has never said that to me before. yeah um I'll say like listen like so like pretty much like how in high school it kind of wasn't a primary thing for you right it was more like I'm just Joe right you know what I'm saying like I'm I'm a football player you know what I'm saying I won't say that part but um, you know what I'm saying? I'm Joe. I'm 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 smart. I'm smart. Uh, I'm smart. I'm smart. I'm damn near just smart at all everything. But um, I'm smart. At, I'm smart at math. I'm mean, not not smart at math. Yeah, um, <laughs> history. Um, I was thinking about my, myself for a second. But um, no, smart at history. I'm. You know what I'm saying? I take pride in what I do. You know what I'm saying? Football, yeah. basketball. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't really like a broadcasted thing. You you broadcast all those things. But you never really would broadcast how black you were. But now you broadcast how you are um an activist for black change. Right. Not just for black mobility, but for black change. And that's the most important part to me because have you always been like that? I haven't. I actually Michael, wasn't aware of my Michael, from your perspective. I, let Michael, me get into that. Let me get Michael into was that. a lot more. Um, I, Michael was a lot more in his blackness um, in only, high school than I was. Yeah. Only reason being was because I was forced to be. I was about to say that you were you were kind of forced to be yeah. because of the things that were going on at your school. Yeah, I was forced to be because I was forced to be. I was forced to acknowledge my race. Um, I didn't realize my race even at St. Leo's, honestly. I didn't realize how important blackness was. Because me and Michael went to the same uh, elementary San school. San Leo's a great institution. Oh, no. um, actually, it's not an institution. It's a school. But I, I like so you went to all to black high school? No, no. My, my high school was like... Um, it was a mixture. It was but a mine mixture. was definitely... I only had 4% of black people at my high school. So, okay. Yeah. Same so with me. I had like 4%. Like 40, it's like 40, 40 of us. But most of those years, it varied. It was really under 3%, honestly, in my opinion. But... Um, did you kick it with the black people? Of course. Of course. That's the, of course, because that's the only people I felt comfortable around. Shout out to Zeke. Shout out to Tyler. Shout out to uh, Josh. Sanders. Shout out to... Uh, <laughs> shout out to the gang. Shout out to everybody. Uh, Cameron. Um, Anika. Okay. Amber. All them, for real. Um, y'all really helped me. And shout out to... Uh, what's that? Fucking racist ass dude. Um, Cedric, who just lost that fucking court case, you little bitch ass nigga. Um, I'm gonna cut that part. But, <laughs> but no, but seriously, so my sophomore year, we had a racist. Um, I'm actually gonna bring this up um, because I wanna do a soundbite on this. I'm gonna cut this. Just say it, bro. Um, so my sophomore year, we had this racist Instagram account with this guy named Cedric. Uh, Abel. Or is it white Apple. Dude? Apple. It's Apple with an E at the front. It's really weird. Like, I don't know. But, um, there's a white dude. Um, he might be white and Asian. A lot of them were white and Asian. But, um, that kind of came off a little racist. But, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but. Prejudice. Yeah, I was about to say prejudice. Yeah, prejudice. <laughs> but, um, my sophomore year. He they made an Instagram account, um, and it had a lot of my uh, high school friends 
they had a lot of my high school friends on there. Um, and nooses in compare in comparison to uh, in comparison to gorillas, uh, other apes. Or I won't say other apes. I'll just say gorillas. And did you guys know who it was at the time? No, we didn't know who they were at first. Um, but then we learned their identities, um, and they got suspended from school by that time because um, the school had handled it so pre- like particular. It, it had they handled it so uh, meticulously. Is that is that the word? So meticulously, meticulously. Yeah, meticulously. Yeah, that's the word you're looking for. Um, How they handled it meticulously? Not because when they found out, when they found out, they called them, don't told them not to come to school, so they weren't in school for a few days, and we didn't know, and like nobody knew anything because the thing was, is like I think the account got reported, and when the account got reported um, to the school, they told the people who don't come to school because there's gonna be a whole bunch of shit. Um, nobody know, knew about the count until March 31st. I believe that they called, me personally, I believe they called on March 28th. Um, March 21st, or March 31st, it was a big, like, sit-out. And so, like, damn the entire school. I didn't do it. I honestly, me personally, I didn't sit out. Um, I actually went straight to back to class because I knew my black mom was going to be like, if you don't take your black ass class <laughs> um but all in all there was there's a couple of like uh demonstrations and uh i went to the last one i didn't understand too much about what was happening i don't even think i knew what was really going on but um i had understood that a couple my friend zeke kept was in it uh I, mean, was, I don't think he was in it, but Amber, Amber, I think the most, it was mostly girls. Um, I know my friend Cameron was in it, and it kind of fucked me up, because I didn't understand until the last day, and I saw her up there so emotional, and I didn't understand why, you know, because I didn't understand what it was like to really be isolated for your race. Um, and so... When I saw her like that, I really just, something like kind of stirred up in me to, you know, want to do better for us as ourselves. And so I just took that as an opportunity and used it as a fire in myself to really just expect and promote black betterness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also... That fight, that spark wouldn't have been able to spark if it wasn't for St. Leo's, and for all the times that we listened to music with Miss Bonner, who was now or who was previously Miss Phillips. Um, if we, if I didn't have those talks with Miss Cephas, you know what I'm saying? If I didn't have those talks with Miss Simmel and with Coach Show, I wouldn't be the man I am. Um, so that's a that's a uh, that's a shout out to you guys. But really, I think will really like help me identify and like solidify my identity in blackness is um, when I was going through that um, or when my friends were going through that I would say I was also going through it 
through a change in my life because I didn't understand what this feeling was. Feeling so hurt and lost and distraught because because of my race. Just because of the skin color on my you know, on my skin. Like I can't take this shit off. Mm. I couldn't be ready <clears throat> if I wanted to be. I, I, I'm forced to be this day in, day out, wake up, go to sleep. I wake up black, I go to sleep black. It's something I can't choose to be. All I can do... You're not forced, you're blessed. Uh, for real. Well, I was going to get into that. All I can do is wake up and say, fuck it, man. Um, go to school. Interact with the other black kids as I was already doing. Shout out to Michaela. Um, shout out to Abel. Shout out to all my friends. You gonna shout everybody out? I for real, for real. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout um, out twelve. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, twelve. But nah, um, I I'm forced to you know interact, and I'm not forced. I'm I'm blessed to inter. I'm I'm forced to interact with them, but you I'm blessed to interact, to interact with them on such a deep level, because I don't feel that if if it wasn't for my blackness, I wouldn't be able to relate to you and you as deeply mm. I feel that there's a deeper connection not because of our race but because of our blackness I think we, that's interesting just because we're both of y'all because you're basically saying based on your experience in the life you choose to be black first yes yeah, yeah. and I never yeah. thought about it that way until I heard y'all like give right. your perspective just now but like that's like what it is like you're choosing to be black first it's like before anything else you are a black man right exactly exactly and i think um, because that's how i'm seen yeah you know what i'm saying before anything before i open my mouth and tell you what my name is you're going to see that i'm black and and i I think that's something that's so it's kind of hard. that's crazy because i don't think like that yeah really i don't think like that at all i mean i i feel like people and I think this is just me projecting too because I I think this way so I automatically assume other people think this way mm-hmm. but I think people see people for who they are right because mm-hmm. I see that like I don't look at people mm-hmm. and see like uh, I know like a lot of white people say it's like and see <laughs> see color right <laughs> I, I'm colorblind <laughs> <laughs> yeah like because <laughs> I'm not colorblind by any because, means like yeah. I for sure be like using because like I know bro I, I feel like that's kind of contradictory when white people say that because it's like you say you're colorblind, colorblind, but when you see a black person, there are certain things you know not to say to them. Yeah, you right. know not so, to say. Here's, here's, so, here's the thing too. You know not to say. I, I will say this is gonna sound prejudiced, but white people they can't be colorblind. Right. I can be colorblind because I suffered technically the the repercussions of racism. Right. White people, unfortunately, like like and I say this to people all the time, like. White people, not all white people, but 99% or majority of white people are racist by default. The mm. same way a majority of black people have a slave mentality because we were raised by slaves. You don't be in slavery for some odd hundred years like, like and then raise a child and expect this child not to think like this. Like well, we're, well, we're only like like seven, like six, seven generations removed from from slavery so that's just think that's, that's like, my point like, right? it don't get erased that's, that that, that's seven that's seven that's seven people it's the seven people bro, that's only seven people like bro. bro in in telephone like when you when you talking like if it's seven oftentimes at the seven person the message probably still gonna be the same right like, it, 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 it takes a cool like, minute it, before it changes right, like right. it takes it takes a cool yeah. minute 
So, black people, bro, unfortunately, we have a slave mentality because we've only been raised, me and you, that have only been raised by six other people. Right. Before slavery. Exactly. Like, we so, are, we are, I'm not going to say, like, it, it varies from, like, black person to black person, but, like, you have, like, you you know people are, are going to look at you, like, with an inferior, like, a, kind of, like, an inferior way a little bit because, because, right. you're, because you're black. And that's something that you kind of have to carry with you. <laughs> like... And that's not something that, that I let hamper me. I don't let that stop me. And um, because I'm... And that, I, even that, though, like, even that small statement, like, I've literally never thought that. Right. Ever in my life. Right. That's that's crazy, bro. And it's it's weird because when I come back home versus being at Howard versus being in the Bay, mm. Howard, obviously, it's an all-black school, pretty mm. much. And then D.C. itself is a very black city. It's, 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 his okay. nickname is Chocolate City. Okay. So, like, it's okay. a very black city, so... I tend to see a lot more black people when I'm in D.C. compared to when I'm um, at home. Yeah. And oftentimes when I'm at home, I tend, I catch myself thinking about my race a lot more uh, um, versus when I'm in D.C. And I feel like a lot of that is particularly because I live in San Francisco uh-huh. and where I live in, it's not a lot of black people. Uh-huh. So I, and, and I, and I know, and I, and I have been like stereotyped before, like I've had like, when I'm walking up the street, I've had people walk across this, I could walk to the different side of the street because I'm walking on it. Mm. You know, and stuff like that just makes me think about my race a little more. Okay. And it's not something that, like, I'm thinking about crazy, crazy, but it's a, it's definitely something I'm, I'm not going to lie, you know, it crosses my mind when, yeah. I, when I'm walking. And don't get me wrong, like, it's funny because it crosses my mind more now simply because my hair is long. Right. Kid you not. Mm. Like, that, like, now more than, and I've, like, now more than any other time in my life, it's crossed my mind more, but I still, like, I don't think about it as much, but I think about it when, like, the energy shifts, like, when I walk into a room. If I walk into a room with white people, like, I will feel that energy shift, and, like, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot my butt. That's what I mean. That's, that, that's what you know what I'm saying? Oh, and it's like... And, and I don't think, like, like you said, white people, you said 99% white people are racist. Like, and, and the, the type of... I wouldn't say like racist, but I feel just more like I feel like they're they are nah, more. Nah, they're they, racist. No, they don't have I, a choice but to be. I, I don't. Yeah, they I, can't help it. The I, same way you can't help that you were raised by a slave, bro. They were but, raised by the opposite. But but That's, I I feel like I, I I feel like saying the word racist makes them makes them hateful, which which I don't think that most I don't think ninety nine percent white people are are hateful. But I but I do think there is. I, I do we'll think because like they may not act on their prejudice. I, I, I do. I, I do think there is definitely a superiority complex, though. Of course, right? Like, Why wouldn't? Yeah, I see that. It's a, it's a superiority complex. And I wouldn't just say. Here's the other crazy part, but I would say that there is a superiority complex. But because of that, wouldn't that make them racist? No, because you gotta act on that in order to be racist. Technically, if you're gonna be. Like, but you act in that. You not necessarily act on, but I feel like you would have to act in that. You know what I'm saying? You'd have to act in that, in that. You have to hold somebody back, though. Like if I think I'm better than you, but his white, I have to like do something specifically to like let you know that and cut you off from getting somewhere you're trying to go in order to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like the whiteness itself, Jim Crow law is racist. For surely, a slave catcher is racist. Like you're acting on your superiority. I think it's um okay. It's it is it's weird when you have a conversation because like. White supremacy is a very, um, it's, it's, it's not as, it's a lot more subtle than, than we think it is. Kind of like, for example, if we're, what time is it again? It's at 105. 
And and I think that oftentimes, and I forgot what I was gonna say. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you heard the night game. Yeah, the night game. He was like, "Oh, oh yeah, I'll <laughs> say uh, I really can't remember what I was about to say. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Pass me. Okay, I was about to say that when it, white supremacy, white supremacy is coming. Like when when you're going for a job, mm-hmm. and a white and, and a white person interviewing you, yes. they. They'll, they'll interview a white candidate and a black candidate. Facts. Mm. They might not feel any racial feelings. Like, they might not feel racism against this black person. Like, they probably don't hate them. Okay. But but there is a subtle type of, I'm not going to say, like, it's, it's a subtle prejudice. Yeah. And and also, the racial unity with the white person that you're interviewing, that will, that will make you a little more likely to want to wanna hire him. Because nice. because because you can connect with him more, nice. like that that I think those are kind of like a lot of the plays that a lot of the ways that the institution can hold black black people a little bit because a lot of things are white controlled and white owned, yeah. so it will be inherently harder for us to get into those spaces. Just just kind of like it's the same way to where I don't know other other it's the reason why like other races just it's the reason why races tend to stay together. Oh yeah, you know yeah. For just sure. That's that's a whole different. That's like a whole other conversation. I right. think. Yeah. It, it, it is. It, all, it, it is all different conversation in one itself. But I think it's the same thing with how white supremacy yeah. kind of like um, stays oh, because yeah. just because of this like day to day interaction. White people, people, if like, white people, if if white people really did the melting pot, there would be no more white people. Right. And no, right. And, 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 and I think I think that's why it's really hard to institute policies to help help end discrimination in some aspects because a lot of time it's it, it's in your hind brain it's it's subconscious yeah that's not something yeah. you can really it's like you said like because it's all racist facts like, Asian, they put ra- they put racism race- they push racism into a some co- in, into a subconscious complex this is a race-based society being, bro yeah exactly this yeah. this society was built on race but it's subconscious yeah. though and because you push all this you push all the like the terrible things that you do in your life into your subconscious so that you don't think about it, but they come up in the middle of the night through dreams or through or through skeletons in the closet. But in actuality, they're as real and as prevalent as anything that's going on in your life presently. Right. Yeah. And also, the the condition that, that white people have, have have kept black people in during the during the history of America mm-hmm. has reaffirmed their superiority complex mm. because because if they can have black people at the bottom it's like they <laughs> they they can automatically feel better about themselves it's automatic it's inherent yeah. it's like I feel good because I am white yeah and since and, and you have something to compare yourself to yeah and that's black people it's like okay I know I am better than him because of him yeah and it's like right. you can't compare if, if there aren't two things to compare yeah, this is gonna sound bad, but that's why I don't. <laughs> that's why I don't like. 
I shouldn't even say this. You can cut this out. Bro. That's why I don't give money to like white homeless people. Because <laughs> I'm like, bro, like, I'm not even like racist at all. But it's like, bro, with all them one ups, bro, the way it goes, you have to eat this dub, bro. Like, come on, bro. I eat this like, dub bag. You're you white. Look at it. You're good. Like, if you're not, that's literally your fault. You got to do it. Nah, bro. Like, I mean, you, you, you even find like, like a white homeless dude, like, if he clean himself up. It's gonna be way easier for him to get a job. Exactly. Then, then a black dude who 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 has a home and he got dreads. Exactly. White dude, <laughs> white, a white homeless dude versus a black homeless dude. I'm not gonna lie. All you have to do is just shave your face. Bruh, you're good. <laughs> you're straight. You're good. And and I'm and I'm not saying like yeah, as a black person, you can still fix yourself up and and and, and go get that job and stuff 100%. like that. But but what I'm saying, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little harder. Here's my sure. thing though. Like this, sure. and this, and I think this is where, this is where I come from, which is like how you're talking about black white people have a superiority complex, mm-hmm. even though I don't resonate. For example, with like, like I don't walk around and say like I'm black first before anything. Like, right. I don't have that mentality. Right. But ironically, <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right word, but I have. A superiority complex because I'm black. Right. <laughs> like right. I'm, I, I right. feel like I'm better. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, no, I, and I used to be proud as hell that in high school. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm a black dude up here. Like, bro, it's because we're just saucier, bro. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but it just is what it is. Like, it's in our, it's in our blood. That's why I've always it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? If we put some clothes on, it's not the same no more. Imagine if a white boo put on some polo versus if I put on some polo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and, Bro, and, it's and, it, and it's just like, just like a, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, when I when I used to walk through St. Mary's and stuff like that, like, I used to feel like that dude. Yeah. I used to, and, yeah. And, and and that's and that and that is a sense of me thinking of my blackness. Yes, it is. In that aspect. Yes, but, it is. but it was a different type of how I thought about it. Yeah. A lot of times, and I think about, that's it. Like I've never thought about it in a negative light. I right. swear, I never have. I've had, but I've been walking down the street, bro, by myself, bro. Nobody around. Cops pull up on me, bro. Guns blazing, like, bro, you fit the description. And I'm like, bro, what? What description, bro? Like, I'm just going home. Like, like, and it's happened. Like, for me, it's only happened like officially, like once. And another time, it did kind of happen. But overall, bro, all the negative black experiences I've had. I kid you not, bro. Like, I don't even think about them. I only think about the positive. And it's not on purpose. Like, it just happens like that. So, I've never once thought, like, oh, like, I'm held back because I'm black. I've always thought, bro, I'm coming up because I'm black. Like, right. you feel me? Like, it's like a weird thing. I want I wanted to say it's because the way I was raised. Like, my parents have always taught me, like, it's not like they, like, grew up talking about, like, oh, you're black, you're black, you're black. They grew up talking about, like, bro, you're just... You're just you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're you first. Like, I, I'm Solomon first. Right, before exactly. Anything. Like, you exactly. know what I mean? And I, and I feel like that's a gift and a curse. Like, it could go bad, and it has gone bad, <laughs> and it can go really well, and yeah. it has gone really well. Right, you know yeah, what it's I mean? definitely a mix. Um, but before we wrap this up, though, I did want to ask you one more thing, Solomon. This, and this is about, like, real estate. Um, for, like, just for the listener of our podcast who want to learn more mm. about real estate, what, where, what are some things that, what are some resources that, that you can, uh, provide or or just just sources where you learn a lot of information. Can I or go like a step further? Um, a lot of our listeners are young, um, and and though and I'm not gonna lie, probably a lot of our listeners don't own homes. So right, right. I would I would ask you, 
what are the like foundational steps that a person can take to owning their first home? To owning their first home? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it really just depends on like where somebody's at. Like, if I'm gonna take like you two for example, mm-hmm. and myself, right? Whereas we are, um, we're trying to work our way up to wealth, right? In general. Um, salute. 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 Um. <laughs> um it depends on you have to really think about where you're at Mm -hmm. if you are making for example 60 grand a year right and that's not a lot in the bay area at all uh then we can start with if you're making less than that if you're making 40 30 then it's like you got to acknowledge that and then your first step should be to make more money first and foremost like (laughs) that just is what it is like we're not we can't run away from that like there's no way to finesse your way into this shit it's like bro you gotta either buckle down and get a trade bro you gotta either if you're comfortable with that like you feel me like you gotta also be comfortable with just your life wherever it's going hey pp said you gotta get a trade if you have to you know what i'm saying yeah if you have to like if you want to go to school i mean i went to school it didn't Mm -hmm. work for me yeah, but that's yeah, also because I'm same. not that type of person. Exactly. You gotta really same. think about who you are. Right? Like, I don't same. recommend everybody go to school. Like some yeah. people, you feel me? Like dogs aren't meant to climb trees. You get what I'm saying? Like you gotta be who you are, know who you are, and really run down that route. Right. He's speaking nothing but facts. <laughs> but if you're really like, okay, bro, like I already went to school, I already got a trade, I'm making 60, 70, 80 grand a year. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Number one is get out of debt. Like, if you're in debt at all, you should have zero consumer debt. Like, okay. And that just isn't what it is. Like, I know people like to use credit cards and like buy a car or whatever. It's like, bro, in reality, like, you got to get some financial literacy and, like, realize that you don't need those things and right. learn how to live within your means. And I would, right now, the economy is a little sus, but I would stack up your bread it don't matter how much it is. I don't care if it's fifty dollars a week. You know what I'm saying? Fifty dollars every two weeks. Be consistent with that. Be consistent with it. Stack your bread. Cause there are a lot of programs out there that will help you get into a house like for a very low amount of money. Like once you get into the swing of that. You, know, you can save up like I'll just say ten, twenty grand, which sounds like a lot of money. Right. Even what? if you wanna save up like five, ten grand. Like you can talk to a loan officer, which I have, and you can get into a position like, well, they'll give you like a real like game plan. Like, bro, like if you do this for the next six months, like you'll be there for it. Right. You know? Um, so I would say, yeah, like I said, like just stack up your bread, talk to a loan officer, find out where you're at, what you need to do. Cause I have clients who didn't know a lot of things. Like they talk to my loan officer, they find out that they got, a credit card that had literally, but it just happened. They had like a dollar on it. They didn't even know. They thought they paid it off, but then it got sent to collections and it started running up. Like there's just like little things that you just don't know about. Wow. So it's nice to talk to a loan officer, find out what your debt to income ratio really is, <sighs> find out like how much you can really afford right now right. and what your projected income growth is over the next year, two years or whatever mm-hmm. to just set up a real game plan, especially if like you feel me, you're, 20 to 25 if you're even 30 you can you can for sure finesse it by 
you know, two or three years from now, like if you have like a real like yeah, plan. Real game, if you have a real game plan. And yeah, I think like a lot of people I talk to, like certain people are like, oh, bro, like it's that's gonna take too long, or like I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. It's like, bro. You've already been moving backwards for right. ten years, exactly. so it's like, bro, just, so it's like what's another three? Yeah, they like just tuck your head down, and get to it. And people say it's gonna take too long, but like that moment, like that that too long moment, like whether it's five years, that five years is gonna come. Yeah. And in that same point, you you'll have done nothing. Or in that time, exactly. you could have been doing something. Like it's gonna come exactly. Right. So oh, you gotta draw it. Um, are there any? Was it like any any other resources that you could point to to help people increase their knowledge in this field? Um, oh, to increase your knowledge, yeah. I mean, so first and foremost, just to summarize what I just said, the first step, and I didn't realize how valuable this was until I became a real estate agent. But talk to a loan officer for like they will literally like let you know. And the reason they do this is because they're trying to get you a loan. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that's how they get paid. So they're gonna really be honest with you, like, bro. If you do X, Y, and Z, I get paid, and you get to hop in the real estate market. Right. You get what I'm saying? So like, they're gonna really let you know where you're at. Um, so that's number one. Talk to a loan officer, and um, and uh, like really set up a a system to where you're saving your money, like, because you're gonna need it at the end of the day. Like, you're not coming in with zero dollars. No, okay. Like, stack up as much bread as you can over the next. You know, whatever, and delete your debt. Those are the no, three things. No debt, start saving, talk to a loan officer to find out how much you need to save and what your, what your route is, like what you're looking through. Hey. Uh, those are, I guess, the three best things I can say as far as getting a house and getting into real estate. And then to increase your knowledge on real estate, that's going to take you from a consumer mindset to like an investor mindset, technically, because... Like, there's a difference between a real estate consumer and a real estate investor. Yes. Like, consumers, if you want to just be a consumer, because a lot of people don't like real estate. Like, yeah. even, like, the banks that are loaning you the money, they're not in real estate, bro. Right. Like, they don't care about it. They don't want to touch no property. They don't want to deal with it. It's a hassle. Like, I'm like that myself. Even, I'm a real estate agent. I borderline don't like real estate because it is a headache. Right. But it's like, you, uh, you definitely want to figure out what you want to be. If you want to increase your knowledge and you're like, I want to start making money off of real estate, not just buy a house to sit in, then number one, this is super cliche, but I would say like really read it. Like actually read it and read what? take it in is Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, like it's I like Rich Dad Poor Dad. You read it? Yeah. Okay, it's a super basic book. Yeah. Everybody says to read it, but like, like, Really read it though. And I, it helped me like, a lot. Take and, notes. And, and, and think I do, about what I, I do want to read it again. I, I like, <clears throat> when I read it the first time, I didn't really take notes like that for real. But it, it yeah. changed. It changed my mindset. Yeah. And I feel like reading. If I read it again and take notes like for real, that's that's gonna stick. Yeah, because uh, Robert Kiyosaki, he came up off real estate. Right. So he's talking no, about he even did. though he's talking about financial literacy. He's giving, like, real real estate game in that book. Like, you mm. just got to find it. Like, he'll say, like, in little nuanced things because, like, he doesn't... Message! <laughs> he does I, I think he knows he's saying it, but the problem is, is that when you're talking to somebody who's kind of advanced, 
they're not thinking about like where you're at. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Right. So they're just kind of saying what they're saying, and then you gotta like really peer through that. Right. Like, okay, he said this. What does he mean by that? Then you gotta go do your own research. Exactly. Like, there's steps to it. You feel me? Like, you're exactly. not just gonna read the book and become rich. Like, you gotta exactly. like really buckle down. Like, bro, what does he mean? Like, that's think right. about it. Take your notes, whatever. But that's number and then one. Actually, apply it yeah. and apply it for sure. So, rich dad, poor dad is a solid like wealth of information. Um, and then uh, another source of information I would say to become a good like to have like a good understanding of investing is um, I mean I personally kind of like learned a little bit through experience because I like started wholesaling like right away mm-hmm. like when I like started fucking you with real fu- estate you started wholesaling? yeah like when I first really? first got into real estate I started wholesaling first That's and then crazy. I decided to get my license after that okay but um, How did that experience? Uh, I don't want to ask that. Is right <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I gotta got talk to you about that. I'm gonna talk to you about that after. Yeah, you guys know what wholesaling, right? Yeah, yeah I, I do. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't understand that? it at first either until right. I got started doing it. But it's um, that's crazy. I started doing that first, and that kind of makes you be an investor by default. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I would say another wealth of information that you can. Matter of fact, yep. Another wealth of information is hop on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Mm, Go to Bigger Pockets and just listen to anything. I don't care if you listen to it from episode one to episode like a thousand or whatever they're on, <laughs> or if you start in the middle, if you go from a thousand no, down to one. I'm to Bigger Pockets. One of my friends listen to Bigger Pockets. I promise you, there's so much information on there that, and it's the same thing once again with the rich dad poor dad. But mm. like, you're gonna have to listen, really listen. And be like, what do they mean by that? What and then go mean? back and do your own research. Because there are still people who are, you know, who are 100 units into real estate. So they're not yeah. going to be like, oh, like, you should go get an FHA loan. Yeah, you know, like no. some of them might talk about that. But they're talking about, like, kind of advanced stuff yeah. at this point. But from episode one, though, like, like earlier episodes, they're talking about, like, more beginner stuff, too. Yeah. But, uh but I mean, it's, it's the same thing with y'all. Like as you guys grow, like as your wealth grows, as your value grows, as a man, as a black person, or whatever, like you're going to your podcast is going to change. Like right, you're going to yeah. start talking about different things. Gonna, right? So like good. you're it's, not going to relate to the kids that are 18 that are like just now getting into this mode. No I mean, it's already kind of changed a little bit because I, yeah. I, I definitely know yeah. for me, like the more I read and and the smarter I get. Yeah. The more the more things I bring to this platform, right, and right. And, and, and and the, the more I the more I want to talk about, and it's like that for for like me and Michael. It's like yeah, likewise. Like I read, I'm 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 starting to read a lot more now too. Um, yeah. So yeah, the and more it, I bring. It, it matures your 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 perspective for sure, and it makes you just talk about different things that a lot of people can't really relate to as much. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's just part of growth. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say those two things. If you're really trying to figure out if you even want to do real estate, I mean, you gotta, you kind of got to do it to know if you want to do it. Yes, yeah, You fact. can't just read about it. But yeah. if you want to get the information to get started, you Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Bigger Pockets. Those are the two, like, you'd be solid. Um, you heard it here, y'all. Y'all heard it And here. if you yeah, even do, go do, on YouTube, too. The third one is uh, yes, Graham Steven. Do you, you guys know Graham Steven? Do you watch on your leisure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, we got that cosign, man. <laughs> we got that cosign, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm juiced. As long as you got the cosign, I'm E-Y-L-X, Black Lotus Podcast. Hey, listen, sure. that's coming soon. 
That's gonna right. come soon. That'll right. be that'll be that that'll be fire, soon. bro. No, don't say that, Michael. We, we not there yet. <laughs> we gonna be there soon. We gonna be there, but all right, it might take us a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, man, this was a great episode. I'm not gonna lie. I always hate the endings of episodes because it's like saying farewell, but it's not a farewell because we're gonna bring you back on. For sure. We're gonna bring you back on. Um, hey, y'all made it to the end of another Black Letters podcast, man. The mimosas here were great. <laughs> the conversation here was great. It was. And uh, I honestly say overall, this was a great episode. Thank you guys for listening. You guys should tune back in next week um, or in 10 days. We drop our next one. Um, you guys stay consistent and we'll stay consistent as long as you guys show love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You won't doubt the love. Michael, <laughs> <laughs> was that on purpose? No, it, it wasn't. It really wasn't. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> but now, as long as you guys show love, we'll stay consistent, baby. You know, we'll catch you guys next time you guys decide to turn this on. <laughs> See ya. Peace. <laughs> One love. Yeah, but you're definitely awesome, shit. Right? <laughs>